oftentimes when we ask business owners what they're doing to recruit the talent that they need, their answer is nothing or eh, very little, mostly because they don't know where to start and the next step is unclear to them. Today, we're going to do a deeper dive in what constitutes a solid recruiting program. So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets, this is Tom Seco and CJ Burnett. We're financial advisors, owners of Florida Veterinary Advisors, and the host of Smarter Vet Podcast. Our mission is to provide education to veterinarians so they can get clarity, take control, feel confident, and experience contentment by knowing what the next steps in their financial plan are. For those of you listening for the first time, we have other resources available on our website, such as complimentary race financial CEs, assessments, videos, and articles. You can find them by visiting flvetadvisors.com. This episode today is a continuation of one of the last ones we did about the three R's when it comes to employee culture. And today we're going to be jumping into the first one, which was recruiting. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, you might want to go back and just listen to it because you can get a better general overall idea of what we talked about. And we're going to dive down deeper into what recruiting means for you as a practice owner. As a practice owner, you're trying to potentially grow and expand, right? Maybe other locations, or you're trying to maximize the space that you have. So it's really important to understand how you're going to recruit the talent that you want, because you're competing with other companies for that same talent. Now, flexibility to step away from the practice might be another reason why you're trying to get good talent in there, because the, obviously the better people are at running your business, the, the more you can actually step away from the business. And there's even some things to think about as far as if you're going to retire in the next five to 10 years, right? You might be looking for a successor or maybe successors, right? Maybe there's multiple people that you're looking to potentially buy the business from you within the next few years. So you can walk away and you can retire and and go live your life, right? But at the end of the day, you're recruiting because you want more profits and you want to make a bigger impact. Absolutely. Recruiting, you know, especially hitting on some of those things like retiring or just trying to grow your business. Like those are some huge things that really mean that you need to spend some time to find people to join the team. And the biggest part about recruiting is that you're looking for talent, not just anyone. So you're looking for good people and you're also looking for talent that can fit those different roles. And you got to make sure that the type of benefits that are being communicated are very clear and easy to understand. And sometimes when it comes to providing different types of benefits or different types of resources for people that are joining onto your team, some of the things that are really confusing to them are things like matches on their 401k, or if there's some type of a profit share program. Uh, which if you know, you're not familiar with those things, of course, we can talk a little bit more about them. So when you're looking at the people that you're looking to recruit and that you're saying, hey, I want them to join the team, I want them to be a part of my practice, what do you find that is important to them? So when you're trying to draw them to you and you're like, hey, I want to have you in this business, I want you to be part of our culture, what's important to them? And being able to really latch onto that. Some examples that like, what are some things that you'd say are some examples, CJ, that 
would be some of the things that are important to people. Well, like imagine maybe, maybe you're trying to recruit somebody who is a single parent and maybe paying for maid service will go a long way for them. Right. So then they don't have to worry about cleaning their house once a week. Mm-hmm. And they know that uh, they can spend, a, they know that they can come home to a clean place every Monday or every Friday or whenever they have it. That, I need I one mean, of those right now. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> needs that. Um, when you're the only one, when you're the only parent, right, there might be some slack that you could really help somebody else that just kind of help you pick up that slack, right? Because they're, especially when it comes to house chores, right? When you have two people, it's a whole lot easier than when you, when you have just one or when you have you know kids or multiple kids that you're trying to take care of, right? And then you get creative, right? Put some real thought into what makes people feel special or how their lifestyle might be enhanced by a particular type of benefit as opposed to just offering them more money. So sometimes offering them more money isn't, you know, there was actually an experiment Dan Irely has in his book called Predictably Irrational, where he talks about college students and, and how they, how we view money and how we view things. And, and the way that this experiment went was he went to a college dorm where there was a shared refrigerator and he put $6 on a plate and he put saran wrap around the plate and he put the plate in the fridge and he came back the next dollar, assuming that those $6 were going to be gone, but they were still there. Every dollar was still on that plate with saran wrap around it. Right. So somehow all these broke college kids, right. Who I'm sure a lot of them probably could have used another six bucks. Didn't, didn't take the $6. Right. So then he, I wonder if the story would have been a little different if they were like $600 bills. Yeah, well, I don't know. That's a good question. Probably maybe maybe <laughs> two or three of them would be missing. But then he comes back. Like so he takes the six dollars. He goes back when you could buy. I guess you could buy six cokes with six dollars back then. I, I don't know if that's the case now. Um, but he he came back. He had six pack of of coke and he put it in the fridge and he came back the next day and the cokes were gone. So you know people have no, you know, the value of an item is often in our in our minds is a lot higher than cash. Right. Cash can still mean something, but it just goes to show you that sometimes you can offer a benefit that, you know, if you offer them an extra 50 bucks, a hundred dollars a week, or, you know, you offer them a maid service, they might actually choose the maid service over the money. That's an interesting thought. That's really cool to think that it's not usually money that does it. And I mean, there's even some studies that are out there too, where that certain level of happiness, I know that it's changed a lot over the course of the last years, but once they're earning a certain level of income, usually it doesn't increase the level of happiness. So oh, yeah, the happiness index or whatever it was at 85 at above 85. Yeah, I think it was I guess. actually 75. And then they 75. reevaluated recently. And then it was like 80 something, which I think some of it's kind of arbitrary. It's kind of like a moving target. And I, probably why it increases too, as you know, everything costs more money over time. Right. So as your rent goes up and everything else, but after a so certain in, point, in, but that index was that happiness was, it, so when, when you made above that $80,000 or whatever, happiness would increase, but it wouldn't increase that much, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would plateau. Sometimes like people really don't, because it's like, even what's amazing is people can have all the money in the world and they can still feel a level of unhappiness. They can still feel a level of being dissatisfied. Like even think of people that are like celebrities and that have so much funds, like, yeah, granted they have all this money to do things, but they're still there's a, a piece in them that, that feels like it's missing. Well, I mean, that, that comes back to the human element, right? Connection Absolutely. with other people. 
it's oftentimes a, a huge thing that's that we want unless you're you know even introverts right they have a, a select group of people that they that they really connect with and that that helps them I mean that can really help you through the day and I guess you know when you're thinking about recruiting options recruiting tools yep that whole giving extra thought to it what do they want what would be helpful for them that would just make their life easier that would really impact them and make them feel like they're special that you're really thinking about them i think that would be you know being able to do that and obviously you might be meeting these people for the first time and never have known them or met them before and so it's really hard to know what they could what they could really use but i'm sure that you spend an hour or two with anybody uh yep. which i'm i'm hoping that you're doing especially if you're interviewing people you know you might find a few ideas or a few things that if you're paying attention you'll really be able to figure some creative ways to do that. Mm -hmm. So why don't we go through some, some of the traditional recruiting tools and recruiting options that most people use. And these are some things that Tom and I have, have thought would be helpful to mention, at least in this episode, but obviously it's not an exhaustive list, but here we go. As you know, as we're also sitting here thinking about them, there's more and more that kept on popping up. So when CJ was mentioning earlier, you can be creative here. Unlimited amount of options. Yes. First one, 401ks or qualified plan. They call they call them qualified plans. Simple IRAs, 401ks, SEP IRAs, right? These, these are you what? Retirement. They basically, yeah, retirement accounts. So there are there's a way to use 401ks to recruit, right? Sometimes people will often ask in the recruiting process, like, do you offer retirement benefits? And you say, yeah, I offer a match or whatever the case may be. This is one of the most common recruiting tools that you can use. Now, it's not, it's probably not the cheapest. Um, it's by far from the cheapest. So, you know, a lot of people don't, especially business owners don't have 401ks because they might be expensive. So they go for an, a SEP or a simple, it mm -hmm. might be a little bit easier to, from an administrative perspective, Right. But but these are very often used for recruiting. Now, they're they're often confused with retention programs. So I know that often uh, when we ask for people like, what are you doing to retain employees? They'll, they'll actually say, well, I have a 401k and we say, OK, well, what's the vesting schedule? Oh, well, the vesting schedule is, uh, say, a six year vesting schedule. We say, OK, well, a retention program. And this is just as a side note, because I think it's really important to distinguish how a 401k can be. Uh, really more of a recruiting tool than it is a retention tool. When you have a vesting period of say six years, after they've been there six years, there's no more retention to it. And more often than not, a good retention program is something you're going to be offering the employees that have already been there for a while. So, you know, it kind of loses that, that re re retention program aspect of it over time with that vesting schedule. So right. 401k can be used as a retention tool, but more, more often than not, you really want to see it as a recruiting tool. Right. And well, something to just really would be cool to also consider with this is that when you look at retention, which we'll talk about in another episode, is that it needs to be something that provides a substantial value to them as well. So 401k having a vesting period depends on how much you're actually matching really could vary. And is it, is it worth it to you as a practice owner? So retirement accounts is one. Health insurance is another very common one where people want health insurance. The thing is that they will also run into where not enough people in the company want the actual health insurance, so it doesn't really happen. It can be very expensive, depending on how much you want to, let's say, subsidize or pay for the, your team members for your employees. Uh, and at the same time, um, if you have older employees that are working within the business, it could cause the coverage to be very expensive along the way at the same time. So it's, it's an option you have. It's definitely something that 
brought up all the time. And there's other things called fringe benefits like dental and vision, uh, sometimes group short-term disability and long-term disability and life insurance will all get thrown into that. And they're just extra things that, you know, one, you can, as a practice owner pay for, or you can provide it to your, your team and then say, Hey, look, this is an option for you. And if you want it, well, you have to pay for it out of your, out of your paycheck. So it's something that you could offer them. So if you pay for it, it might be a little bit more enticing. If you don't pay for it, well, then it's maybe not as enticing, but if you have it and another practice doesn't, it could just definitely put you on the next level. So these things, the very traditional ways of doing things, retirement, health insurance, dental vision, group disability insurance, and life insurance are usually some of the most common ones, but there are some more creative type ones that we're going to jump into right here. What is one, a different one we'd usually look from a recruitment standpoint, CJ? Well, a lot of employers will pay for continuing education, They'll pay for programs that they can go to or even uh, vacations, right? You can pay for maybe sometimes you say, hey, you have X amount of dollars towards a vacation. And and this is one thing that is consistent in this industry. There is burnout and there's a ton of talk about it, right? But name me an employer out there, right? That, that, Tom, name me an employer out there that pays for someone's vacation. Like, I don't know of any. Google? (laughs) <laughs> maybe I, I, I like, I don't know of any who aren't clients. Let me put it that way. Right. Yeah, so no. maybe, maybe like pay for them to go see education, uh, go to those seminars, right. There's, there's massive groups that have seminars that uh, national symposiums and things like that. Right. You can pay for them to go do those things. You can pay for paid time off, give them more paid time off. That's another benefit that you can obviously throw in there. Personal development programs, leadership programs. I think, there might even be some value depending on the person that you're talking to on just understanding, especially if they're going to be a practice owner or a practice manager or somebody that is going to help you kind of keep the fort down whenever you're, you're gone, like of understanding people, mm-hmm. being a student of, of people and the staff and really being invested to, to a certain degree or learning how to be invested in the people that are around them in the business and coworkers. Tom and I, we work together all the time, right? We've got three staff. If if I'm not intentional on making sure that I talk to them, it yep. may not happen. Like I, I've got to go out of my way to make sure that we not just talk about, because everyone's going to talk about business, right? It's easy to talk about the patient in, in this room and that kind of thing, but like really going out of your way, like how do you teach your employees to look out for one another? And some of that might be in personal development programs and paying for somebody to come in and do those things. Yeah. You could, you could offer them as a way that are already built into the practice, or maybe it's something you provide funding for that can encourage them to go do these things as well. So people do have, maybe a lot of people don't want to do it. Maybe there's some people that have a desire to do it and you can offer it to them. Uh, There is financial wellness education. This is actually a big area to where we started doing this for a lot of practice owners and businesses where Coming in there, we find that a lot of stress that people have is around money. So how do I know where to take that next step? How do I know how to guide myself in a way to where I'm making good decisions? And financial wellness can be huge. And I know some bigger corporations offer some things. Uh, Sometimes, you know, there could be maybe a little bit more that could be provided, but is there like a a step-by-step process to help make things easier? 
So this could I, be really I, huge. I can only imagine because, you know, the financial wellness education piece that we do at least is, is multiple meetings sometimes, right? And yeah. sometimes it's for everybody. Sometimes it's for a, a group of people that are kind of specific in the business. But I can only imagine what would happen if, if everybody in the veterinary space started getting like the kind of the 101 in their fine managing their finances and just how much stress would, would be released from them from a financial perspective. I mean, because finances really do bring security. If we know how to manage our money and we know how to build our, our checking account and build our security up, right. It gives us a sense of safeness. So, you know, you do that for your employees that can, that can go a long way. You offer that as an additional benefit. Of course, something new that's been popping up lately is student loan repayment help. So being able to provide maybe some money towards their loans to help with the repayment. So it's not maybe paying them off, which there is, if you want to focus maybe on paying off some loans, we'll talk a little bit more of this, more on the retention side, more of the retention. However, from a recruiting, maybe it's something you provide them some funding for it. Then also too, if you're looking to bring people in, there's a chance for ownership. Maybe that they have a desire to be part owner or own the practice at some point, which could be a huge draw. Uh, And especially with the way the environment's been, it could be if it's, you have a desire to keep the consistency in your business, that could be a really big, uh, big pull. And then at the same time, what I would also throw in here is recruiting. It sounds kind of silly to a certain degree, but like, how are you communicating your culture? Like do communicating. People, that's, that's the, that the key, that's the key word right there. The thing you just said, communicating yes. how the culture is. Yeah. So like, what are people walking into? So like, as they walk in through that front door of your practice, what kind of culture are they willing to expect? And is it something that like provides and lifts people up? Is it something that brings joy in people's life? Or is it more of a aspect of where you don't have a culture? Maybe you don't, you have a culture that's there. It's been, created by default over time. It just, it just happened based off of just life. Now, I, I, and as a side note, because you might, some of you are probably listening to this and you might be some like, we've had conversations with people before where they're like, well, my culture is not very good. Hmm. That's okay. Yep. Right? That's okay. Like you, you can change that. You have the ability to change that. It's going to be a little slower, Right. But, you know, really diagnosing like why your culture isn't good. Like if you're sitting there going, well, I can't tell recruits that my culture is good because I know it's not right. My culture is toxic. Well, hey, maybe you're recruiting to change the culture. And and maybe 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 that person that you meet, you're like, wow, this person is phenomenal. They're very positive. Yep. They're excited. They're passionate like this. This would be per- this person would be perfect in my practice in order to help elevate the culture. Let them know that. Like, hey, I want you because I because I think you can elevate my culture. That might actually be something that, especially as somebody like, I can only speak about me, right? As as somebody like me, where if if someone said, I want you to come to my business to make to pump people up, to make to motivate them, to make them feel good, that would excite me. Like, I would I would actually take a pay cut to go to somewhere to build people up. If that's what you wanted me to do, if that was part of my job, that would be like awesome. Right. Well, and that's something that Tom and I always like, I mean, especially when we meet with clients, like I kind of feel to some degree, finances are boring. Finances are kind of like stale. Like we have to pump people up. We have to get them motivated a lot of the time, because you, especially when people are really excited about getting their finances on the right track, there's like this initial, like, 
headwind where they, they feel really excited and they're ready to go. And then, you know, after a meeting or two, they're just going, they do get deflated. So we're, we're constantly trying to have to pick people up and move them forward. So, you know, yeah. if, if you find that your culture just isn't there, then make some changes and, and start focusing on the culture before you necessarily start re- focusing on the recruiting side. Something just to, I think in addition, just to kind of give you a little sneak peek in our world, because CJ and I are huge about wanting to communicate a great culture. And the thing that we started implementing is about three years ago now, is that we created a theme for our business. And then we had all of our teammates pick their own themes as well. So every year there's a theme that we choose. So one thing is by implementing a theme into your, your business, it could provide just a, a way to be able to uplift people and get them to refocus on things. So CJ and I have gone through probably a very overwhelming and exhausting list with all of you that are listening, and I totally get it. Uh, we have a practice planning process that can give you clarity and the next steps on how to show you how to build a thriving culture and your personal wealth. So if you do want to talk about these things a bit more, go to our website, complete our contact us form. Someone on our team will reach out and talk to you. Uh, Otherwise, if you're like, hey, I'm not ready to do anything with this. And you're just like, yeah, I'm just kind of busy. I'm sucked into the practice. Really good place. The next thing you can do is go watch our complimentary CE on creative employee arrangements to increase your income. Like spend an hour of your time. Don't even need to talk to us. It's all (laughs) it's available to you to be able to go watch right now. This is CJ Burnett. And I'm Tom Seco. Wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Success, 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 success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. C.J. Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. C.J. Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purposes only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. 2021 122668 expires June 2023.